You're listening to a podcast from GUT. Welcome to the GUT podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK, and current visiting research fellow at the National Cancer Institute in the USA. In my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month we are discussing the Editor's Choice Manuscript entitled Comprehensive Genomic Meta-Analysis Identifies Intratumoral Stroma as the Predictor of Survival in Patients with Gastric Cancer. This is presented by Professor Patrick Tan's group and collaborators from several centres including Singapore, the UK, South Korea, the USA, the Netherlands and Australia. I'm delighted to welcome two authors here today, Professor Patrick Tan from Duke NUS Graduate Medical School and the Cancer Science Institute in Singapore, and Dr. Heike Grapsch from the Department of Pathology and Tumor Biology at the Leeds Institute of Molecular Medicine in the UK. Welcome to the podcast today. Well, to start off the discussion on your paper, can you just remind us of the current strategies in place to determine prognosis and appropriate treatment strategies for patients diagnosed with gastric cancer? Yes, if I can start off. So my name is Heike Grapsch. And uh, the current strategy is first of all based on clinical imaging studies, such as computer tomography and endoscopic findings, including endoscopic ultrasound. And these studies will provide the clinical team with information about the depth of tumor invasion into the wall, in this case of the stomach, the presence of lymph node metastasis, and the presence of metastasis in other organs, such as lung or liver. And depending on the results of these clinical imaging studies uh, and, in addition, the fitness of the patient, the age of the patient, the patient will then be treated with local endoscopic resection, surgery or combination of surgery and chemotherapy. So the clinical stage is currently chosen to determine the prognosis and treatment. So how did the idea for this study begin and what was the aim? And it has been known for quite some time that the clinical imaging techniques have uh, serious limitations. And at the moment, we think that only they are only accurate in predicting the disease extent in up to 60 or 70% per patient. And in addition, we know that patients w- with the same disease extent can have very different prognosis. Uh, However, we as clinicians currently have no tool available in the clinical routine to better predict which patient has a good prognosis and which patient is at high risk of recurrent disease. So the aim of the current study was to identify a marker or a couple of markers, a set of markers that is able to predict patient prognosis more accurately than the currently used disease staging and therefore help the clinicians to better stratify patients for different treatment options. You use gene expression profiling on a large number of gastric cancers to provide insights on novel prognostic markers, analyzing gene expression data from over 900 patients. Tell us more about the methodology you employed and the advantages of working with such a large data set. This is Patrick Tan, and thank you. For, thanks very much for inviting us here today. What we did was to exploit the power of expression profiling, which is a technology where you can measure the expression levels of thousands of genes in a single sample, and then you can do this for many samples. 
Um, and we focus upon the concept of co-expression. What that means is that we can look for two genes, a pair of genes, gene A and gene B, and identify pairs of genes that show the same trend of expression across all of the samples. So if in one sample where gene A goes up, gene B goes up, in a second sample where gene A is up, gene B um, is also up, and so on. And what that tells us is that when two genes show this pattern of co-expression, uh, it often implies that they share or exert similar functions in the cell. And we can do this in one data set, and we can do this in two data sets and three data sets. And ultimately, by looking across at a very large series of samples, we can find pairs, triplets, and collections of genes that are robustly co-expressed over hundreds of patients. Now, the ability to look across a very large sample series has three major advantages. The first advantage is that by virtue of the large number of samples, we are accurately capturing the full biological diversity of the disease. Um, the second advantage is that because we have the ability to look at relationships across over hundreds of samples, we can begin to see co-expression relationships that are more subtle, that might not have been picked up using smaller data sets. And finally, uh, because we are looking at multiple data sets from multiple different expression profiling technologies, any co-expression relationships that we see that are preserved must be technology independent and hence biologically true. So I think those are the three advantages of looking at a very large data set. Well, moving on to your results, the initial analysis identified multiple conserved gene expression modules associated with gastric cancer. Can you explain this to us? Yes. Um, so taking a page from the concept of co-expression, you can think of a module as a collection of multiple genes that shows co-expression across many, many, many samples. Um, and what happened, it turns out that when you do that, each module can be thought of as a different facet of the cancer cell. So for instance, there is one module that's related to cell proliferation of the cancer cell, another module related to metabolism of the cancer cell, protein translation, protein turnover, and so on. But I think also what's intriguing from this, these modules is that they capture expression not just in the cancer cells in a tumor but also from the other cell populations that are commonly found in primary human tumors. This would include modules related to expression of genes in the blood vessels, the immune cells, the fibroblasts, and so on. And indeed, we did manage to find modules related to these other cell types. So in general, what this uh, allows us to do with this set of expression modules is that it provides us a digital catalog of all of the different biological processes that are active in that tumor. You then validated the expression of these gene modules in several independent data sets. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah, I think both Heiko and I feel that validation, validation, validation is the name of the game here, and you can never have too few validation sets. One of the challenges that we agreed upon when we started on this study was that many of the prognostic studies in gastric cancer reporting prognostic factors 
lacked a sufficient degree of independent validation. And so um, what we decided to do right from the start was to, after we had identified uh, the different expression modules, and we found about 178 of them, was to assess the degree to which these modules could be robustly seen in an independent validation set, multiple data sets, in fact, uh, from a variety of different uh, countries. Now, one thing that was a very uh, powerful in this is that we, we saw that many of the modules that we had originally identified were indeed seen, but not only for, at the level of individual modules, but also the relationships between the modules. So, for example, tumors that had, had very high expression of the cell proliferation module also tended to have very high expression of modules related to digestive function. And so I think that with this, we were able to very confidently say that we've really captured the full diversity of expression programs present in stomach cancers. You assessed whether your expression modules were associated with clinical pathological parameters such as patient age and gender and histopathological subtype and grade of differentiation. What did you find here? Um, yes, we looked in particular at the relationship with age, gender, disease state, and histopathological subtype to see whether there is any interesting finding. And we found indeed in our study that the signature varied with age and gender. And uh, using, for example, the stroma signature, we found that female patients and patients younger than 65 years have a much higher level of this particular expression signature. And similarly, we've seen that the disease stage is related to the stroma expression signature. So patients who have late stage disease, very advanced disease, they have a higher level of the stroma expression signature. And uh, the relationship with histology is quite interesting because a particular subtype of gastric cancer, which is called diffuse type gastric cancer, this particular type is often also very poorly differentiated and shows the highest level of stroma expression signature. In addition, we also have the relationship with survival, which is obviously part of the clinical pathological relationship. You then looked at associations between the expression of your gastric cancer gene modules and molecular signaling pathways that are known to be involved in malignant disease. Can you tell us more about this? So if you think about what an, a module of expression is, it's essentially a collection of genes that shows a very common pattern of expression across many, many samples. What that means is that there must be an upstream trigger or an upstream driver that turns on all of those genes, regulates those genes in a simultaneous fashion. And once we know what the genes are, we can then look to see what are these driver pathways. Uh, so for example, we, when we looked at the genes in the cell proliferation module and looked at their promoter sequences, what we found was that most of the genes in their promoter sequences had regulatory motifs that are predicted to be bound by a transcription factor called E2F, which is a master regulator of the cell cycle. Um, now, the importance of looking at the pathways controlling these expression modules 
is that it now opens up avenues into how we can target and regulate these modules from a therapeutic pers perspective. Uh, so, for example, as we will talk later, one of the modules that we focused on was the Stromo module, and it turns out that that module is predicted to be triggered by a pathway called TGF-beta, and for which there are therapeutic targeting drugs around. So I think that um, the modules pave a, uh, are an opportunity by which we can find the pathways and then highlight which pathways might be therapeutic opportunities in stomach cancer. Well, as you mentioned, the expression of the stromal supermodule was found to be of particular importance. Can you explain the stromal supermodule to us and how this impacts on predicting patient outcome? What we wanted to do in this study was to be systematic. Um, and after identifying and validating the catalogue of expression modules, we then systematically checked which of these modules gave us the most consistent and the strongest association with patient outcome. And rather surprisingly, uh, the Stromo module was ranked as one of the highest modules related to patient outcome. What the Stromo module is, is a collection of genes that's predicted to be expressed not in cancer cells themselves, but in cells of different types within the primary tumor. So this would be related to the fibroblasts, blood vessels, and immune cells. And this is, was particularly interesting to us from a from the point of view that pre prior to this study, most of the gastric cancer prognostic studies had focused upon prognostic factors that are related to the cancer cells. And this is really one of the first studies done on a very large series that establishes that there may be factors external to the tumor cells that also impact on a patient outcome. Well, you also identified that the stromal supermodule was linked to the intratumoral stroma proportion. Tell us how this was assessed and the potential importance of this biologically within the malignant microenvironment. Yes, for the measurement of the intratumoral stroma proportion, we used regular, normal, routine hematoxyl and eosine stained tissue sections these from tumor. These tissue sections were scanned, so they were digitized, and then we used um, computerized morphometric software, which we developed in-house and had used previously, to estimate uh, the amount of stroma and the amount of tumor. And this is quite a labor-intensive process where you have to judge 200 measurement points. And after we, ha we have done this analysis, we then related in, in a subset of the cases these results to the gene expression values. And that actually showed that these data is very well correlated. But also, if you're looking at the intratumoral stroma data independently on their own and relate this to histology, to survival, we found that actually we had the same relationship then with the gene expression data. And our study is the first study which actually showed the proportion of intratumoral stroma is important in gastric cancer and in particular in relationship with the stroma gene expression signature. And we think that this may point towards 
the role of the stroma in gastric cancer and that it may play really also a role in the different biology of the two major histological subtypes of gastric cancer. So finally, from a translational perspective, how could these findings impact on the management of patients with gastric cancer? We think that with our extensive and very comprehensive study that we may actually have identified now a prognostic predictor. So the intratumor stroma quantity and or the stroma gene expression pattern may be used in the future as a prognostic predictor for patients with gastric cancer and thus would be able to help the clinician to better stratify patients for existing treatment options. In addition, we also think that the results of our study highlight the importance of the stroma in this particular disease and that stroma-targeting drugs should be considered in the future for trials in patients with gastric cancer in the near future. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd just like to thank Professor Patrick Tan and Dr. Heike Grabsch for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.